welcome to the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and I am back once again with EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football. We talked Shrine Bowl, but now we are talking Senior Bowl. It happens afterward. Now, EJ, you didn't get to attend Senior Bowl this year, but you know what it's like. You've gone through the film, and I've got five players that I want to talk about that I know that you're familiar with. And uh, I, I'm just excited to, to get into this draft season with you. Absolutely. Let's do it. The senior bowl roster was tremendous this year. A lot of great players, a lot of great performances. A bunch of these guys were uh, folks that got singled out for having some of the best performances. So I'm excited about it, too. I'm going to be focusing heavy on defense. Maybe that's because that's where we tend to see the greatest needs for our Seahawks players. A lot of free agents, whether they're on the offense or whether they're on the defensive line. Linebackers. I mean, you got to worry about Bobby Wagner retiring. Jordan Brooks is going to be a free agent. So I got a couple linebackers on the list. But let's start off on the defensive line, EJ, with Darius Robinson. And uh, I was surprised that this guy is an edge at 6'5, 286 pounds. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know this about me because we've worked together in previous draft seasons. I still differentiate between edge and defensive end because I really do think it's a different role and it's a different sort of physical skill set. Now, the way I do that when I'm going through initially is just sort by size, right? If you're 255 pounds, you're not typically going to be a DE. So you'll go in the edge pile. But guys like this, I typically put in the DE pile, almost 300 pounds. Like, yep, sure, you're going to go in the DE pile. And then to do the sort of fine sorting, I watch. Right. And I see how they move, how they line up, how they're typically deployed, how they look most comfortable. Do they ever drop in coverage? Things like that. And that makes the final sorting. So uh, Darius Robinson, one of the guys that started the D pile, he's definitely going to the edge pile. He he lines up in wide alignments more than not. Um, Powerful dude with a lot of length. He has some long arms for defensive end and he knows how to use them. Very solid and varied with his hand usage. So not. He does the right thing and he changes it up. He, you know, sets different blockers up differently. We'll use different attacks. Basically, we're going to say attacks as a rusher. Um, that's pretty sophisticated for a guy at his level coming out of college. Definitely stands out. He won up and down the line. He beat C's, G's, and T's. He beat centers, <laughs> guards, and tackles all the way up and down the line. That's not usually typical. Again, you don't see guys, you see big guys that aren't super quick or guys that don't have the absolute speed or length on the outside to win. Um, it's a very different skill set you need to beat all three of those players on the offensive line. And he beat all of them soundly throughout Senior Bowl. So good bull rush. Again, when people just kind of lock up with him, he'll lock his arms out and he can drive even bigger tackles straight back into the quarterback. Decent spin move, not the greatest, but he'll use it as a changeup. One of the guys that I would say raised his stock the most at the senior bowl. He didn't come in as an unknown, certainly played in power fight conference, had good stats, but he was, I would say, a tier underneath the top edge rushers coming into the senior bowl. And by the end of the week, it was like, man, that guy won all the time in a whole bunch of different ways. Like, we need to look at him differently. He's not going to last as long as we thought he would. Senior Bowl director Jim Nagy was hyping him up, and it felt like he was, yeah, like you said, not a guy who was projected in the top half of the first round or anything, but now a guy definitely trending toward being a first-round pick. 
Yeah, he made money for sure. Uh, that's what we say in draft circles. Like he made money that week for sure. Well, moving back to the linebacker spot, and I got a couple of guys here that intrigue me. Maybe my favorite one, but I think maybe the next guy would be rated out a little higher. I don't know. I I, I shouldn't color your view on it. I, I want to hear what you think <laughs> of both these guys. But uh, Trevin Wallace, linebacker out of Kentucky, like I said, he, he might be one of my favorite guys. And, and part of it, too, is because I get intrigued by stories. And he was a guy that in high school played all over the field, whether it was quarterback, running back. He played a receiver, a kick and punt returner. And then he goes to Kentucky. He's the team captain, at linebacker. And I, I felt like he had a pretty good showing at Senior Bowl. Yeah. And Trevin Wallace makes me happy and sad at the same time because a couple of years ago, I coined the phrase linebackery things. And I thought that was just a good catch all for like all the things you need to do the old agile, mobile, and hostile for being a linebacker. I thought that sort of compressed them into one. And then there was the, controversial reporter this year that said I, I i just like my quarterbacks to be more quarterbacky and i was like oh no that's too close to linebackery i can't say linebackery anymore but damn it trevin wallace is linebackery he is aggressive and straight ahead as a backer really good burst off the snap he's got a little bit of ivan pace jr to his blitzing style and i do say blitzing style he is not uh, we just talked about a guy with great size, Darius Robinson. He he does not have great size. He's a little bit shorter. He's sawed off. Um, he is a blitzer, not a pass rusher. And there is a difference, but he is a good blitzer and he's got speed. He, once he gets going downhill, he gets to the quarterback in control and pretty darn quickly. Like you said, he played multiple positions in high school and you can see all those influences. He has burst to get to the quarterback and he will bring it when he gets there. He's not the biggest guy, but there is a lot of fight in that dude. Like he is, he is kind of made to play linebacker that way. Just so physical runs over running backs and pass protection. Um, he's pretty fast when he opens it up. Like when he does break through that hole in the line and even though he doesn't have the longest legs, He's still quick. Uh, he is not slow. Really good eyes. Uh, again, having played all over the field, I think he sees angles in a different way. He's not really confused by motion or fakes. Um, he gets to the right place. You do not see him taking a lot of false steps. That absolutely helps. I like his coverage skills, but uh, not towards the outside. Again, not the tallest guy, not the greatest length. Um Better going forward. Uh, again, if he's got to cover somebody in the sort of tackle box in the short area, he's good at that and physical. He could do that. Um, he's going to be mismatched in the pros when he's going up against, you know, six, six tight ends. Like that's not really his game. Uh, but he is a very solid football player, fundamentally sound, good vision, super physical. Uh, he had a very good line in front of him. That's going to be one of the things that I think a lot of people are going to be trying to weigh. Like Kentucky's line was the second mm. best line in the SEC for run stopping. So, you know, but that's a that's a good way to build a team. Keep your backer who can really run free uh, and let him go hunt. And they did. And he did. And he had a very productive season for the Wildcats. Well, and that's why you, you hit on a lot of the points that make me like him a lot, because especially that quick downhill um, you know, get point A to point B real quick. And then I look at a guy who can maybe, you know, he, he's also good, but he maybe has a, a, a more breadth in his abilities. And that it feels like Cedric Gray fits into that. Yeah, Cedric Gray out of North Carolina, one of my favorite linebackers in this draft. Really like him because he is versatile. 
He is uh, more effective in pass coverage. Again, not out to the very edges of the field, but anywhere in between the numbers, he's good to go. And he takes really good angles. He is physical at the catch point. That's how he's most effective. You're not typically going to see him uh, bat away. He's not going to have a lot of PBUs, but he's going to have a lot of breakups just from hitting you as you catch the football. He is very good at that timing and, of course, just bringing that physical nature. Uh, He's pretty shifty. He's got good blitz skills. He's not as fast as Trevin Wallace, but he doesn't overrun things. He doesn't take false steps. One sort of cardinal sin of a lot of backers when they come is they just absolutely come right they light their hair on fire and just blaze past the quarterback and if they get a hand on him they might be three yards too deep Mm -mm, not cedric gray he's not going to get there at that speed but he's also not going to go blowing three steps by so he gets a lot of cleanup sacks that way which is fantastic um Really good burst and vision combo for the edge runs. I'm talking about wide zone schemes. He loves to attack those. Had a lot of tackles for loss this year. Um, Fun player to watch fly to the ball on the outside run. Um, And pretty good hands for a linebacker. I know we're always joking about defensive backs that can't catch, but uh, there's a couple interceptions where he absolutely jumps up and snares it at the high point. Um, Even balls that weren't necessarily on his line. Um, not a typical skill set you see from a backer, but Cedric Gray's got a little bit of that in there as well. So, like you said, a, a more well-rounded skill set, a um, little bit more size, a little taller than Trevin Wallace, and can really fly to the outside and loves to drag guys down when he gets there. So, a fun sort of active backer to watch. So, comparing the two, which one goes first, or do you think it's a, a point of preference? It's probably close to a point of preference, but I think Cedric Gray, a little bit more range to the outside and a little bit more versus the pass. And we all know the pass is super important in the modern NFL and being able to defend that means he's going to be able to be out on the field for more downs than Trevin Wallace, certainly in the beginning. Um, We've seen guys like Trevin Wallace get better against the pass once they hit the league. Guys like Nick Bolton. Yeah. One of my big knocks on Nick Bolton coming out was he was a tackling machine. He looked a lot like Cedric Gray, you know, going to the outside. He was a ferocious backer, physical, but he was not good versus the pass because he wasn't asked to do it very much in college. Nick Bolton's become a very good short coverage linebacker, like very good. And that is the last thing I would have expected. So I think at least in the beginning, Cedric Gray is probably going to be a little bit more plug and play in a bunch of schemes. Trevin Wallace, I'm again, because of his versatility, his physical skill and experience, I wouldn't put it past him that he gets better in that area. Well, it may feel like we're staying at linebacker because James Williams did play a lot of linebacker uh, at the Senior Bowl, but he actually played strong safety at the University of Miami. And uh, the reason why he's moving up to linebacker, or at least to try it out, he is 6'5", 230 pounds, uh, man, I, I love the way that this guy hits and I, I don't care if he's a linebacker or a box safety, <laughs> like just, I want this guy out on the field on my defense. Yeah, he has a couple of roles. We'll talk about those and they are sort of blurring lines, but then when you start thinking about them, all teams use them and more than they used to. So whereas it might've been really kind of a specialist role before, it's not near as specialized as it used to be. And that really plays to his strengths. Like you said, tall guy that is dangerous with his eyes towards the quarterback and playing downhill. That is his game. Williams game is, again, focused on the quarterback and ability to break on the football as it comes towards him, either in the air or as a runner's coming towards him and just unload 
Like that is that is the way he wants to be playing football. So that fits with a lot of zone schemes. Fangio's defense has a lot of that in it. Like there's a lot of roles for guys like that. Fires at the run from depth and just hits when he gets there. So again, a lot of the league plays two high safety structures. And what that requires is those safeties to really what's called run the alley and come downhill and plug that run fit from depth, usually about 12 yards off. So you got to have guys that can fly and hit against the run. Sound familiar? Yeah, he can fly and hit. Big impact guy. He likes to make you remember who hit you. He's one of those guys. He doesn't want you to forget or kind of roll off of it. He wants you to feel every bit of it. Um, Really good fit for that two high zone scheme, filling the alley, or a three safety scheme where he can play in the middle and, again, be that kind of ranger that just backs up, keeps his eyes towards the quarterback, and can break in a cone towards the football. Um, Again, that might sound specialized, but a lot of the league's defenses have roles for both of those. So he'll be playing a much higher percentage of the time, I think, than he would have been, say, five to seven years ago. So dimebacker in the middle field, closed looks where, again, you're that that's more of that typical strong safety creeping down and, and firing. Not as good there um, just because he he likes to have field in front of him. Doesn't mean he doesn't make plays from that alignment. I think he's just more comfortable, as a lot of safeties are, with a little bit more green in front of him where he can build up some speed and hit somebody. Also causes a fair number of fumbles, and it's not just the impact of him hitting people hard. He will reach for the ball and scrape it away. Did it several times this last year. So always love a guy that can create an explosive play on a turnover in the defense. Interesting player, not a, you know, round peg, round hole, just drop him in and fit him in one position kind of a guy. But that doesn't mean he's not useful or impactful on a defense. Does that end up hurting his draft value then, like in terms of where he goes on the board? I don't think so. I think he will be uh, in a similar place on several teams' boards that use more of those defensive structures. Other teams that don't have that and do want more of a role player who will fit in one specific role and not float between multiple assignments on defense probably won't have him ranked as highly because they won't really know what to do with him. Um, Some defensive coordinators, uh, including the one who's now a head coach in Seattle, I think will look at a guy like James Williams and go, oh yeah, I have several uses for that guy. And if he continues to slip down the board a little bit, he's going to get real attractive to a guy like Mike McDonald because he's got a bunch of Kyle Hamilton in him. Does he have all of Kyle Hamilton? Absolutely not. Does he have a lot of characteristics that Hamilton had coming out of Notre Dame? Yep, he does. Let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball for the final player that I want to talk about. Uh, Jackson Power Johnson. And the reason why I want to talk O-line and he played some center at Senior Bowl the, the Seahawks, they have three free agents on the interior of the O-line, whether it's Evan Brown, uh, Damian Lewis. They, they've got holes open up. And I mean, Bradford, uh, he's spent a lot of time at right guard, but Phil Haynes is uh, a free agent as well. They drafted Olu Oluotimi, but uh, Jackson Power Johnson, I, I feel like if you want a guy who's going to come in and start right away on the interior of, of your O-line, this is the, it was one of the guys. You're not wrong. Uh, just a beast, 323 pounds, really don't see centers at that size anymore. But given that you'd think, okay, he's just a, he's just a power gap guy. 
No, he can fly to the outside and he loves to hit. He can move at that size. And it is, that's a rare combination. That is going to drive him up the board. Um, finishes, absolute finisher, wants to bury you, not just move you out of the way or wall you off. He wants to knock you over and land on top of you. Uh, violent guy that way in a, in a good way, in a controlled way. We would have never seen him in previous years because he's a true junior. And this is the first year that juniors are allowed oh, at right. all-star games. So he never would have had this week, which he had. He really only had two days. He left with a hamstring injury, but he didn't need to do any more. He dominated for the first two days. Everybody up and down the line with power, with speed, with the ability to anchor, with the ability to move on outside pulls of screens. He is a versatile, powerful young dude. And yes, he could step right in and play. He is a man among men. He is not going to get pushed around by anybody at that size. And really, really interesting case because, yeah, up until this year, juniors were not eligible for the postseason all-star games. And Jackson Powers Johnson will now likely be the number one interior offensive lineman off the board. Oregon does have a history of producing some really solid offensive linemen as well. It kind of bums me out that he's not just a center or something because then I feel like he might have a chance at following farther down the board, but uh, at, at guard, I mean, I feel like there's probably a lot of teams that could use a, a player like him at guard. Yeah, not not much chance with the combination of versatility, size, speed, and and toughness. Like, there's just what else do you want? And he's young. Yeah, like so you don't you can't say he's overaged or has too many miles on him. Like there's there's just not you know as long as his medicals check out. He's going to go off the board in the first round. Well, I know we're going to be talking about a lot of other first round potential players leading up to the draft, EJ. I know you guys are going to be talking about it on bootleg football. What are some of the things that folks can look forward to uh, from your channel here leading up to the draft? Well, we're going to be at the Combine for the first time uh, ever as as bootleg folks, which will be pretty fun. So we'll have some coverage from there as well. But we've got a great interview slate lined up. I would say it is as good, if not slightly better, if a couple folks come through this year. And we're going to have interviews every week up until draft season. So two pieces of, of content a week, an interview and a draft podcast, usually with a guest. We'll be at, like I said, the Combine, but also some pro days. We're I'm going to be trying to be at Caleb's Pro Day down at USC. Um, I'm going to try for both U of O and UW. Might squeeze in Oregon State if uh, if they're similar days. Last year, they were a day apart. U of O was the day after OSU. So that can be a, a swing for me. I can just drive down and, and stay with some friends and hit both of them if that's the case again. Both schools have a bunch of good players. Oregon has more, but, you know, Talisi Puaga is coming out from Oregon State. Um, we just saw Anthony Gould, the wide receiver down at, at Shrimble. So Beavers, Beavers have their fair share too. Uh, but UW's, as we know, just loaded, you know, played the national championship game. There's probably 12, 15 guys off that team that are going to get drafted. So that'll be fun. I was there last year as well. So we'll have some pretty well-rounded coverage for folks this year. Well, I know all of our Seahawks fans that are in the, the UW area will be excited about some of that pro day coverage. So, and with a potential quarterback, available to draft and the Seahawks not having drafted a quarterback for for many many years I have a feeling EJ we're going to be doing some quarterback coverage uh leading up right here on the Seahawkers podcast but follow along bootleg football subscribe on YouTube and uh, subscribe to their podcast via audio wherever you listen EJ always uh gotta thank you for coming on and uh, lending us your football knowledge and draft season hey I appreciate it it's always a good time and I think with that 
There's only one thing left to say, go Hawks.